So 1 Kings 10 verse 23, 27, it says this, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver and gold, robes, weapons, and spices, and horses, and mules. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses, which he, kept, which he kept in chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. Think, that, think about that. And cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. So he was a rich man. Then 1 Kings 10, 14 and 15 says this, Each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. So the original Hebrew speaks of talents, 666 talents of gold. So if you've ever heard the number 666, what does it mean? It speaks of the devil. But I love that this is actually included in the Old Testament. It's not, it's not a revelation scripture where we find the number 666. And I think what God's doing here is he's saying that Solomon had the wisdom to steward the devil's money properly because God has given him that wisdom. So 25 tons of gold a year, lots, lots of, lots of money. This did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders, all the kings of Arabia and the governors of, of the land. So the question that we want to ask is, how did Solomon become the wealthiest person in the world? I think if, you, if you're a young person here, somewhere down the line, or even an old person, somewhere down the line, you have thought, how did that person became so rich? How did he acquire that amount of wealth? Maybe he must share with me how he did it, and then I can follow the recipe, and then I can also acquire wealth. It's a normal human thing to do. Who of you have done that? We listen to these podcasts, five steps to how to get, how to get rich, how to build a fortune for yourself, how to leave an inheritance. And by the way, those things are not bad. The question is, where's your focus? So let's see why Solomon became the richest man in the world. So 1 Kings 3 verse 1. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. By the way, this was not the reason why he became rich. Marriage will not make you rich. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of, of David, his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. There you can already see there's maybe a gap in, in the wisdom of Solomon. And then the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. Imagine that. 
God, the man who holds all the resources that have ever existed in his hands, says, hey, ask me whatever you want and I will give this to you. There's no greater temptation than this. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept him and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I'm but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this great your great people. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word, to your word, sorry. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statues and my commandments, as your father David walked then, I will lengthen your days. So why did he become the richest man or the wealthiest man that ever lived? It's, it's a simple answer. Because he had his focus Right. He said, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are willing to give me whatever I asked. And if you read this, you also get the idea that God was really willing to give him whatever he would ask. But then Solomon, he stood back. And I remember as a, as a young child, I would try and program my mind before I go to bed. Maybe God will also show up in my dream. And then he's going to ask me, Alma, ask me whatever you want. And I will give it to you. And I'm not allowed to ask for the fishing rod or the cricket bat or the new shoes. I need to ask for a discerning mind, which equates to wisdom. So Solomon said, hey, Lord, what I want is I want wisdom. I want to be able to do what you have called me to do. I'm now the king and I'm yet just a little child. And I want to do a proper job just like my father did. And I want to do it in the fear of God. So give me wisdom rather than riches and honor and blessing. So his focus was right. And for me, this is a key in understanding biblical and, and godly wealth. It is where's your focus? Is your focus on, hey, I need, I need, I need more? Was your focus on God? I need more of you so that I can fulfill the calling that you've placed on my life. I'm not good enough to, to just go through life 
and fulfill the calling that you've placed on my life. I need what you have. In my mere human capacity, I won't be able to do this. So Solomon's focus was God and God's calling on his life. And then through that, we also see his heart's desire to govern the great people of Israel. And it just ties in with the great two commandments that Jesus gives. What is that? To love God with everything and to love your neighbor. So it's not wrong to acquire wealth. It's not wrong even to be rich. But God's asking us, where's where's our focus? So now the second question, because if you know the story of Solomon, we know that he also, he failed. How can the wealthiest and wisest man that ever lived, how can he have failed? How is it possible? He then in all the wisdom, he wrote most of Proverbs. How can he have failed? And let's go to 1 Kings 11, 46. As Solomon grew old, his wives... Just putting it out there. Turn his heart after other gods, and his heart was not, and this for me is a key, fully devoted to the Lord his God. What's said of David? It was a man after God's heart. And the reason why he was a man after God's heart, the book of Acts says to us, because he did everything that God expected of him. But here we have a king. He is wise. He is rich. He is more powerful in terms of his skill, his intellect than David. But he was not fully devoted to God. So here's the problem. It's not his wives. It's not his riches. It is, this, it is his devotion to the Lord that was lacking. And therefore he faltered. He followed Astoreth, the goddess of Sidions, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Molech, just to give you an example of how evil this god is, is the god where they sacrifice children at the altars of Molech. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. So here's the call this morning. The call this morning is to say, Lord, I don't want to be 25% in. I don't want to be 50% in. Lord, I want to be not even 99% in. I want to be fully in. I want to first of all have my focus when it comes to wealth, when it comes to influence, when it comes to impact, in people's lives, I want that focus to start with a focus on what you want from my life, and then I want to give 100% to that cause. And Lord, help me that none of the things that are blessings, the wives, we believe in 
monogamy in this church, by the way. So one wife. The precious resources, my abilities, my skills, my hobbies, my business, my family. None of those things are allowed to interfere with my devotion to you, Lord. I want to be fully, fully, fully devoted to you. And this is, this is a challenge for me. I'm the pastor. Constantly, I'm like, Lord, I know I'm going hard after you. I love you. You know that I love you. But I don't want to go only hard after you. I want to go 100% after you. I want to be fully devoted to you. Because we see at the, at the position that Solomon held, there's, the attack from the enemy is just so much stronger. And so much heavier that even the small little defect got exposed in this war. And there the enemy came in and he faltered. And he missed what God had for him. And then we see his son Rehoboam, then they split it. He, or in, his, in the rulership of Rehoboam, they split it northern Israel from Judah. And that should have never happened. It's because of Solomon's legacy. So here's the question. Are you fully in? Because if you're not fully in, it's, wealth is really dangerous. If you're not fully in, blessings are really dangerous. Rather stay away from blessing. Rather remain poor. Rather don't go after that business opportunity. Get yourself to a place where you're fully devoted. And once you're fully devoted, then you say, Lord, I'm going to stay like this. And I'm going to get my accountabilities, people around me. And they're going to speak into my life. And they're going to see where do I have maybe a wrong focus. Because it's not that Solomon wasn't focused on God. It's just that he was not fully devoted. He was not completely devoted as his dad. That was his problem. So it was not the wealth. It was not the massive amounts of gold or the influence. The problem was his devotion to God. Great. So what we want to do now is, that's sort of the sermon, but also we want to give you insight into how the devotion of this church helped grow this church um, up until this point uh, in terms of impact, numbers, a little bit of finances. I'm going to ask you on to do this, and at the end, we're going to take communion, and we're going to trust for two things. One, that we as individuals will stay completely and fully devoted to God. But then also, we're going to trust that us as a church, because God's blessing us. I said to my staff two years ago, I think the enemy has changed his plan or his strategy with us. It's not frustrating. He's not frustrating us anymore because he sees that the frustration that he tries to throw on us actually just get us closer to Jesus. So what he's trying to do now is he's trying to corrupt us with the blessing 
of God. So he says, hey, your God, I'm not going to stand in your way anymore. I'm going to allow you to bless your people because they've been seeking after the Lord. But they, that blessing will so easily corrupt us as individuals, but also corporately if we're not fully devoted to God. Okay, you're on. Good morning all, it's broccoli checking in again. <laughs> um, God bless everybody in the house. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to, on a very high level, run through the finances with you. Um, so I know that numbers is not the most exciting thing for fun people like you all, but, but try and stay awake, otherwise you're going to go to sleep and you're going to find yourself in the second service and you're going to have to go through this again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... so <laughs> Next slide. I just want to start off with, with speaking a bit on, on, on church growth. Um, now, church membership is, is um, positively, positively or negatively affected by the context the church finds itself in. And by context, I mean, you know, what is the church relevance in the society that it, that it functions in? And, and where is the leadership team taking the church? So bear that in mind, if, as we go through the numbers and stuff, you'll see that there's, there's a purpose and this church is definite, definitely on a road somewhere. Factors, factors that, that impact, also impact um, membership growth in a church is typically your, your, your political, what's happening politically, socially. And, and in South Africa, we can currently see that what is politically, what is this doing to, to church, so there's a big migration into the, the Western Cape, so, you know, churches in the Western Cape are growing, I don't know what's happening in Gauteng. Um, now, numerical growth is important, and there's a number of scriptures in, in the Bible that, that speaks on numerical growth, and that is God's plan to, so that everybody can, can know Him, and that everybody can come to know Jesus Christ as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Amen. So while, whilst the, the numerical growth is very important for, for a church, it, it must be backed by quality, quality growth. Because if we're just growing in numbers, but the quality of our hearts is not growing, then, then we've missed the mark quite substantially. So, but numerical growth is very important because from that flows, can flow, the, it, it, it creates the opportunity for quality growth, and and what I mean by quality growth is that we people get converted as they join a church, and then follows discipleship. Um, very important. And again, in this church, we know we we stand for fivefold ministry, and we we love discipleship. Okay, so and then a growing church is a giving church, not because we wanna we wanna. Give to the church, but it's just a way of worshiping God. Okay, okay next slide. So there we can typically see, uh, and I'm focusing on 2022 and 2023. So and this, this, all the numbers that I'm going to speak to and refer to, that is basically 2022, January to August, and 2023, January to August. So there, if you look at that, you can see that there's a nice growth in this church. And at 2022 to 2023, there was an average growth like of 
Ja, halleluja. Okay, next slide. And this, sorry, the previous slide was, was adults. So what is, actually, what is actually more exciting, this is the children's church growing. That is the next generation. Look at that. It's a, it's a, it's a nice graph to look at. So also there, an average of 29%. Um, and then next year, we'll be able to put another slide to that, and that is the youth growth. So the youth has recently started up. Yay. <laughs> and uh, so it's going places. And next year, I'm sure, you know, that slide's also going to speak, going to give us a nice picture. Okay, next slide. Okay, this is the, this is the numbers. This is the boring stuff. But it's also the, the stuff that speaks to us and shows what is, the, what is happening in our church? So I want you to focus on the, on, the, on the three columns on your right. That is the comparison 2022 to 2023 um, with the variances in that. So the important one there is the tithings and offerings. And we can see that it has grown by 24%. Now think of the church growth. 29%, 24%. So there's a correlation there. Um, then missions income, yeah, you can see like, you know, that's also part of the discipleship. So there's, a, there's quite a nice growth in that. And it shows, you know, where also where, where some of the church focus is. Bible school income, that is huge. Um, that also speaks of, of people, new people signing up for Bible school. So there's growth in that. Again, it is converting. It is what we do as a church. It's the direction we're going. Body surf income, a bit of a drop there. Encounter income, quite a, quite a steep increase there as well. So there was quite a couple, number of encounters this year, um, freedom encounters. And um, obviously that will go hand in hand with church growth. As more people come into church, more people also join up for, for encounters. Okay, then just the expenses, you can see there that um, yeah, all the expenses basically increased, encounter expenses uh, quite a steep increase there, but that also again you know, go, goes hand in hand with, with the encounter income that increased. Um, salaries, 27%. I just want to, you know, as, as the church grows, obviously we need people, we need to, to help uh, steer this. It's, it's, it's becoming a, it's a big organization, so Armour cannot do this alone. There's people supporting him. The leadership cannot do it alone, so new people are appointed, and then there's also the, you know, the annual increases in salaries that, that goes through that. Church plant, important, 109% growth, and we know that you know, there's been outswearing and there's, there's Hrudbrock happening now. So it shows also on, on where our church heart is that we really want to take the church to the world. Church operations. So, church operations is basically that's just a um, one-liner there for uh, for a number of things that's happening. So that is like you know um, all the like camping expenses, entertainment, and, and stuff like that, and also all the expenses to do with sound. Every expense to do with being able to run this church, being able to have this church on a on a Sunday and what's happening here on the week. And then the other expenses I'm referring to, that's just, you know, like wages and cleaning, stuff that you have to do, but it's not necessarily, you know, like a church-specific expense. Okay, thank you. Next slide, I. Now we, we get to, you know, I've shown you the figures, but now how is, what is happening with stewardship? Um. So if we look at, at the total income, again, focus on the, 
on the um, two columns on the right, your right. So we can see that salaries and rent as a percentage of total income is 42%. Not a big movement there. But salaries and wages as a percentage of tithings only, then we're looking at um, a 50%. And that is the norm for, for shofar corporate. There is, a, there is a rule or a norm that that percentage cannot exceed, um, I think it's 60. Yeah. So church well below that. So then we look at, you know, if we look at 2023, 10% of total income was towards missions. Bible school expenses, 2%. Body surf expenses, 2%. Counters expenses, half a percent. Church plant, 2% of total income. Church operations, what I've mentioned now, is 17%. And then the other expenses, 18 19%. So the total church-related expenses is 33%. And that is, that is money that the church used to run this. But also, the, I think the other important thing that I've... Um, is, is also the body surf expenses. So that is the, the impact that the church wants to make in the community. And we know that the church... There's a couple of community um, exercises that the church support. Um, work for a living... Um, Marina's and, and, and the Christian school that they take the, the kids off the street and help them. Um, and almost again, and his team is now going to cycle for the C4C. So, yeah, basically, you know, if you look at the church growth and we look at, um, at that numbers there, I think it is, it is that one can say in confidence, you know, that the, there is definitely a, a heart here that, that wants to see God's kingdom grow, not say a church, but God's kingdom, if you look at that. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Johan. So some of you are wondering, why did we do, why did we do that now? Um, the big reason is because we want to be open and transparent about what's happening in this church because you are part of this church. The great thing about community is, or a church community like this is, the volunteer, just volunteering on a Sunday, is part of the organization. So this is your finances. It's not only our finances, the staff's finances. This is your finances. So if you have any questions, Johan uh, over here, he's head of our finance committee and also Ben there at the back. You're welcome to come and ask, ask them any questions. And for me, the reason why I love this, and I, I used to love this also at, at Stellenbosch, is that it just gives me a, a more open view of what the church is doing and also how we are stewarding finances and therefore I can trust the church. So if you, if you feel like you cannot trust the church with your finances, you feel like we are missing in terms of our mission, please come and speak to Johan or even you're welcome to speak, speak to me. Because this is, the next slide is where we wanna, we wanna get to. So I'm gonna give you an overview of, of our mission so just to tie it in with Solomon, so Solomon missed it in that he was not fully devoted to what God expected of him. Of him. So what we want to do is we want to say, as a collective, this church, we want to say yes to a few things. And as a leadership team, we have prayed through a few things, and we know that God is calling us into these specific areas. Okay, so I'm going to give you just an overview. So what we want to do is, we want to establish this church, George, as an apostolic hub. Just a fancy word means that we want to be a sending church. 
To be apostolic means to be sending. So you that came in here from Pretoria to play golf for the rest of your life, you might be sent again to Beaufort West or to the nations or to Germany. Okay, so that is a big heart. So if you're supporting George, you're also supporting the rest of, of what I'm going to explain now. And then there's a satellite church we planted in Oetswering in 2021, and then we're also busy with the church in Grootbrak, and then also regionally our, our church movement reshuffled our regions, so we're also now responsible for the church in Prince Albert. So those are smaller churches, and we as a church, we are investing with resources, human resources, also financial resources into those churches. Then for me, very exciting is that we're also going to go into planting mission bases. So Rico and Jana, those of you who know them, they're already planning to go in 2026. They're going to go to Shandame in Mozambique, and they're going to take over a mission station that... I don't know why I'm crying. It's actually Ronel and Stefan come from... Um, my dad's church in. Sorry, man. So, and the missionaries are really suffering there. So, we want to do this well. We don't want to send Rico Niano with a cheap Cherokee that breaks and just past Bovard Vest and breaks. Like, we want to do this well. Okay, so help us with that. Doing amazing work. 1,200 people already in their community being discipled. Amazing, amazing stuff. And then um, beginning of next year, end of March, we're going to send John and, and um, so, yeah, John and Cora. Almost said Marika. John and Cora to, to Sri Lanka. We've been building up relationships there in community. And they're going to go there for three months and they're going to see how we can best serve that, that community. And then some ministries that we really believe God has called us to develop. That's already going very well. The chauffeur band with James. James just came back also from a songwriters collective that's influencing South Africa. The Worship Awake people. Then we have Bible school. We have over 140 people that are... Or, between 130 and 140 people that will graduate this year. Underhead's doing amazing work. We even have people from Poland um, that's doing our Bible school. Then youth and kids, it's a, we have a big heart for the nations, but also for the generations. Then deliverance ministry, if you've been around us for a while, you would know that we love seeing people being set free by driving out demons. It's biblical. And we do the Freedom Encounters. We recently even had an invite from Paraguay to go and teach there. And then commission interns. So those are the interns that you see around serving. But we want to develop that into a ministry school. And then something that's really dear and special to us. Prayer. It's still a boring project for the month. Non-emotional. is prayer. So... Um, God has, has, has established just us and our, and our prayer ministry, Renel and Anna Marie, um, what's happening at First Love tomorrow night. If you don't know what's happening there, come tomorrow night at 
Um, but that is the, the foundation of everything that we do, is we want to hear from the Lord and we just want to go, fully devoted to what He said. And then the NGOs, these are the people that would come into our church and we would just start building relationships and we would see, wow, what they are doing, they're doing it better than we would ever do it. So we just say, hey, don't you want to be friends? Because we also want to have a claim to what you are doing in the kingdom. And then some, sometimes we offer human resource, sometimes we just offer office space, sometimes financial support, but we love these people. All of our all of these NGOs, we have personal relationship with the leaders or the directors or somebody of our churches on their board. So work, work for a living. Just to give an example, they are in 18, 18 countries. Their founders are on our leadership team. So since 2007, 35,000 people have went through, went through their course, courses. 16,000 people found jobs and 15,000 salvations. So Mandisa, there the back, is running our, our Work for Living Center. So 15,000 salvations. Like if we in this church see 15,000 salvations, I, I would be blown away. And then Amplified Youth Coaches. So that's just an a NGO that we use to plant uh, youth coaches at different schools. Um, you know that we're cycling for them in life community services, Philippa Morena, Yen George, 1,500 kids on a weekly basis. They disciple through education, programs, um, schools, creches, etc. And then Local Motion is Sabrina's um, a movement that she started so that she could look after vulnerable teenagers and get them involved in, in our church, and they're doing a great job. Desley also there at the back, he's involved with the finances there. And then Zeal, Zeal's, Zeal Men's Movement, that's Christian Blichner's movement. You would know them as the guys who are facilitating our, our camp. They um, re- Yesterday, he just sent me a message to say uh, the outreach to the Tachis in Blanco. Some of those kids now got SWD colors for Tachis. Um, so they're doing amazing work. So our hearts really that we are not the best church in George or the best church in the region or the best church. But that we, that we are the best church for George, for the region, for South Africa. Because God wants to do something. Okay, so um, we'll, we'll use this and distribute it on our different communication channels. But I want us to take communion. Now, so the communion, people can bring out the communion elements. And I want us to, to look at two things here. The one is, Our individual devotion to the Lord. Are you 100% in? Because it's dangerous if you're not 100% in.